Welcome to the awesome pod mix you are listening to Abby the idea behind this podcast was to talk about how certain movies and tv shows made me feel when i watched them for the very first time a reputed filmmaker once said when a piece of art invokes a similar feeling amidst a large audience it's the triumph of the filmmaker that's the magic of cinema i love the magic of cinema Today I'll be talking about the second episode of Marvel Studios Secret Invasion whether Marvel creates movies or TV shows they are all cinematic This episode's title is Promises written by Brian Tucker and Brant Egelstein The episode is directed by Ali Salim It's the fifth series to have a Kevin Feige production credit after Hawkeye, Moon Knight, Ms. Marvel, and She-Hulk Attorney at Law. The episode begins in 1995 with the events of Captain Marvel like a previously on for Nick Fury. It now jumps to 1997 Brixton, London. A Skrull named Wara introduces Nick Fury to a young Gravik. A young Gravik is aloof when he meets Nick Fury for the first time. Wara describes Gravik as smart and knows how to survive. Vara suggests that Gravik could be of use. Fury is hesitant because Gravik is just a child. After his conversation with Vara when Fury interacts with Gravik, he's willing to touch foreheads. What changed in such a short span? Talos gives a speech about how he trusts Nick Fury. While Nick Fury's reaction is like, "Why are you putting in so much trust in me? I am way in over my head. Please don't pin all your hopes on me for the love of God, please." Nick Fury makes a speech that's opposite of his feelings and reaction. He promises that he and Carol Danvers will find Skrulls a new home if they help him keep his home safe. That's some real tall claims, Fury. Real tall claims. Either you were sincere and things got out of hand, or you were lying your ass off and you're a big hypocrite who used Skrulls for his own benefit. Sorin is the first among the Skrulls who's willing to help, so she steps forward. A young Gaia and a young Gravik exchange looks when Sauron does that. Nick Fury says, "You keep your word." He pauses and looks at young Gravik. "I'll keep mine." I don't know, Nick. You seem pretty untrustworthy when I look back into the past. The camera stays on a young Gravik. The scene cuts to the present day, whichever day that is, after the bombing from the last episode. We get a closer look at the chaos. Gaia and Gravik escape the scene. In the previous episode someone had grabbed Nick Fury away from a dying Maria Hill. I suspected it had to be Talos. It was Talos disguised as someone else. He shoves Nick Fury at the back of a van and shapeshifts back to Agent Keller. Fury is barely able to put up a fight. Nick Fury is really old and withered. The title sequence begins. It cuts to a top angle shot of a train moving through a scenic locale. Inside the train, two Russian soldiers search for Nick Fury with his picture. A blonde woman opens one of the compartment doors and says, "A black American on a Moscow train to Warsaw, it would be likelier to encounter aliens," which means she's a Skrull, specifically Talos. The moment the compartment door is shut and locked, Talos shapeshifts back to Agent Keller. He informs Nick Fury that the coast is clear, and Nick Fury steps out of the bathroom in a fedora. I'm going to call him Fedora Fury. Behind Nick Fury on the train compartment it reads, "Soaring out Russian high-speed train Moscow to Warsaw." Nick Fury inquires if Talos has heard anything from Gaia yet. Maria Hill just died. Do you even care? Nick Fury narrates a story about his train rides with his mom from Alabama to Detroit. 
This whole story bit thing starts with a wide shot and I particularly feel that the dialogues don't match the lip sync. The lips are barely moving. But the editor Melissa Lawson Chung has made the smooth cut to Nick Fury's close-up to continue the story. The story is about the travel with his mum, the food they ate and the games they played. The game was called Tell Me Something I Don't Know. He now plays the game with Talos and learns that a million scrolls that fled Skrullos are now on Earth. Nick Fury feels betrayed. Talos explains that they were being hunted across the universe and this was the best he could do to save his people. He also calls Nick Fury out on his hypocrisy. Talos says, You were fine using us as your spies and your errand boys as long as it was on your terms. Nick Fury's response is a bunch of bullshit showing how little he cares about his promise to the Skrulls. He says, The host gets to set the terms of the visitation. Talos responds, what happens if the host disappears, huh? Because you were gone. And I didn't think you were coming back. I really didn't. And you know what? Even when you came back, there was no talking to you about anything real. Your boots barely hit Earth. And you were like, oh, it's too heavy here, man. I gotta go up to my space station. You've been up there for years. Talos's argument is absolutely valid. Who knew in the five years that the people who were dusted would return one day? Nick Fury wasn't able to find them a home in 23 years. That was when Thanos came to Wakanda and snapped half the life in 2018. Plus 5 years of everyone's disappearance. That would make it 28 years and add a couple of years to this interaction. I would add a minimum of 3 years. So it's been 31 years, 3 decades. Anyone's patience will be tested. Nick Fury is mad because Talos kept it a secret. Talos hopes humans and Skrulls could coexist. Fury's argument is humans can't coexist with each other, let alone Skrulls. There's not enough room or tolerance on this planet for another species. Why? If as guardians can, so can Skrulls. Runa was a shape-shifting lighter from New Asgard. Laws would need to be implemented given the shape-shifting nature of Skrulls, but I think it's possible. Nick Fury just doesn't want to take the pains of implementing it. No wonder Skrulls are hell-bent on taking over Earth. It's on you, Fury. You are responsible for this whole mess. Nick Fury tells Talos that there's no room for him on the train either. Talos gets off the train as the blonde woman. That was absolutely awful behavior from Nick Fury. The scene transitions to London. At the airport, Maria Hill's mother Elizabeth receives Maria Hill's corpse. Elizabeth has a conversation with Nick Fury. Here, Nick Fury is sporting a beanie and no spectacles. Fedora Fury was traveling on a train from Moscow to Warsaw. It takes 18 hours on a train from Moscow to reach Warsaw. The fastest way from Warsaw to the airport in London would roughly be another 17 hours. So I think it's not actual Nick Fury apologizing to Maria Hill's mom. He doesn't even give Maria's mom the dignity of the truth. We see CUV news covering the Russian bomb explosions. They feature statements from UK Prime Minister and NATO Secretary General. There's a FXN news channel which I think is a reference to Fox News. At night, Gaia drives Gravik to the council meeting. They have a conversation about Nick Fury. Gravik reveals he wasn't certain whether Fury would show up but he certainly hoped. I think Gravik is lying. He also describes Fury as vapors, old. He could have killed Fury but he didn't want to give Fury what he wanted. Gravik enters the council meeting room but Gaia is stopped from attending. 
Of course, Gaia doesn't want to wait outside. Gravik hands over a gun to Gaia saying, if he isn't out in an hour, she can shoot the guard in the head. That's such a manipulative move to show Gaia that she holds importance but not important enough to attend the council meeting. At the council meeting, we learn that the UK Prime Minister, NATO Secretary General and the FXN News person are all Skrulls along with Shirley and one more person. The Skrulls really have infiltrated the ranks of major world powers. Gravik shows utter disdain over these Skrulls who've taken over human form and their habits. He prefers dog over humans. Even humans prefer dog over humans. Shirley accuses Gravik of murdering 2,000 innocent humans and he's not even remotely remorseful. He has undermined the stability of the council. He has outright disobeyed them. Gravik explains himself in Skrull language. He says Nick Fury promised them all. He reminds them of Fury's words. You keep your word and I'll keep mine. Fury abandoned them, cast them aside. Now Gravik promises to make Earth their new home. Hence the title of the episode, Promises, plural. Gravik's anger is absolutely justified, although his means are not. He thinks it's a war and unlike the last one, he's not gonna lose this one. He's even prepared to fight the Avengers. Three out of five council members approve Gravik's nomination as a Skrull general with total and unchecked power. NATO Secretary General comes around because he's got no choice. Shirley reminds Gravik that they didn't end up as homeless refugees because they were unwilling to wage war. They ended up as homeless refugees because they were too willing. Shirley neither supports Gravik, his coup or his war. Gravik lets Shirley go. Shirley walks out, spots Gaia and calls Talos about Gravik becoming the Skrull General. She asks if there's anything she can do to help Talos. Talos requests her to set up a meeting with Gravik in a public place. I think we've seen that in the trailers. Shirley thinks Gravik will kill Talos. Talos thanks her for showing so much faith. Talos tells Shirley he wants to talk to Gravik about his daughter Gaia. Back at New Skrullos, everyone cheers and celebrates Gravik becoming the Skrull General. Gaia notices Gravik whispering something to Pagon. Pagon reacts as if he's trying to process the information. He follows Gravik and Gaia follows Pagon. Gaia stops a few steps behind. The text on the wall reads, In case of alarm, leave building immediately. Pagon enters the experiment room. Rosa Dalton is angry because Pagon doesn't have what she needs. Pagon reveals the harvest wasn't there. The harvest locations have been empty. She doesn't want Pagon's excuses or his presence in the lab. The Daltons run a test. The energy field is formed around the concave bars which turns into blinding light. Rhodey attends the emergency security summit in London. He answers on behalf of Fury and Hill's alleged involvement in the Russian attacks. Rhodey doesn't trust Russian intel or pictures. He tells them he would be more than happy to analyze the pictures at their end at Langley. Slovakia's representative reacts with a huh. Rhodey is brazen in his response. He states that Ritson has a busy day job managing the most powerful country and military on the face of the earth. Unless they manage to provide actual proof, they'll only get sensitivity from them. The meeting gets over and Rhodey walks down the stairs of the summit building. He gets a call from Nick Fury demanding to meet ASAP. Rhodey says Berners Tavern, 1 o'clock. 
Nick Fury enters the tavern sporting his fedora and spectacles. Rhodey is infuriated with Nick Fury. He's aware of the shape-shifting swells but doesn't take the threat seriously because he's under the impression that it's not possible. Nick Fury assures him that the invasion is real. Of course, Nick Fury doesn't want the Avengers to be involved because those heroes can be duplicated and posed as terrorists. That's exactly what's happening with Nick Fury right now. The other reason is the Disney Plus show budget. Nick Fury says, This is my war, Rhodey. I need you to back me on this. Rhodey doesn't want to support. Why? He's walking like he needs no support at all. Is he a Skrull? Or has he just healed? Rhodey's security guy is there to escort Nick Fury to the car and then to the airport. What follows is a great scene. Nick Fury talks about Alexander Pierce and how he was a mediocre man in a position of power. Robert Redford played Alexander Pierce in Captain America The Winter Soldier and Avengers Endgame. Rhodey feels that being in a position of power is to tell mediocre men that they are fired and he directs it at Nick Fury. The audacity. Does Rhodey know that it was Nick Fury who paged Captain Marvel at the end of Avengers Infinity War while he was being dusted? It was Captain Marvel Carol Danvers who saved Tony Stark and Nebula in the Benatar. Nick Fury is many things, mediocre is not one of them. Nick Fury finishes his drink and coughs. Fury is amused at Rhodey's behavior. Rhodey is upset that Maria died. Rhodey's security guy tries to grab Fury's arm but he resists. Nick Fury gets up to leave and Rhodey's security guy pushes him saying, move. Oh boy, you shouldn't have done that. Nick Fury grabs the security guy's arm, twists it behind their back and removes their gun from the holster. He goes on to break the security guy's arm. Nick Fury removes the clip from the gun he acquired and wears his fedora hat. Rhodey comments, and you wonder why you are out. Nick Fury gets awfully close to Rhodey threateningly. He says, I am Nick Fury. Even when I'm out, I'm in. Nick Fury leaves the tavern. Outside, he sits down on a bench and wheezes. You are old and withered, and you're weighing over your head. We see Sonia Fallsworth walking outside through the window of a butcher shop. Sonia picks the door lock and enters. The shop guy is surprised as to how she's entered despite the lock. Sonia answers, Yes, now that the door is unlocked, what does that tell you about me and doors? The shop guy reacts dumbfounded. He asks, Who are you? Sonia replies, I'm above your pay grade. I'm so gonna use this line. Sonia questions, where is he? Sonia walks in, picks up a cutter and enters the torture room. She makes the man in charge speak to someone over the phone. They hand over Skrull Brogan who's posing as an AAR guide to Sonia to interrogate. Sonia first inquires about the escape hatch. Like an extremely courteous person, Sonia gives Brogan two choices. Do you want to do this the easy way or the hard way? Brogan is weighing over his head thinking first he'll break the chains and then Sonia's bones. Sonia takes the clipper and chops off his index finger to confirm that he's a Skrull. That's a very nice little trick. Back at New Skrullos, Gaia checks the records for Rosa Dalton. She discovers details about certain specimen harvests. Groot from Avengers Infinity War, Frost Beast from Thor The Dark World, Calopsidian Severdown from Avengers Infinity War, and Extremis from Iron Man 3. Gravik catches Gaia doing something on the computer. Gaia exits the page and says she was checking on Beto's results. Gravik tries to instigate Gaia by calling Talos a failed general and a coward. 
Gaia doesn't react at all. Gravik reveals they are heading to extract Brogan. Of course, Brogan is confident he wouldn't spill any secrets. Sonia injects a biochemical imperative that boils the blood to 160 degrees Celsius. Pagon, Gravik, Gaia and Beto leave to rescue Brogan. Brogan reveals Gravik is building a machine to make Skrulls stronger. That means Super Skrulls. Sonia wants to know about the scientists involved. Brogan says, a married couple, the Daltons. Gravik shoots the Russian henchmen who were initially interrogating Brogan. He mercilessly massacres the other henchmen too. The interaction between Gaia and Beto in the car makes me think Beto is dumb AF. Upon listening to the sound of the bullet shot, Sonia escapes from the hatchway Dostoyevsky. Fyodor Dostoyevsky was a Russian novelist, short story writer, essayist and a journalist. Outside, Gaia makes a call in Russian. Gravik and Pagon extract Brogan. Gravik inquires what Brogan told them. He responds, nothing but lies. Brogan is lying. Gravik and Pagon are surprised to see that their safe house is compromised. So now they drive into the forest. Pagon takes Brogan away and shoots him. Gaia flinches listening to the sound of the gunshot. Gravik barely reacts. Nick Fury reaches his storage unit where his SUV is parked. He sits in the car, removes his fedora and puts on his beanie. Now I am contemplating if it was actual Fury who changed into a beanie during the airport scene. But he didn't have his spectacles on and he reached London so soon. Nick Fury drives up to the outskirts of the city. We see an exterior shot of a house. Inside the house, a Skrull woman is cutting cucumber. It's Vara from the 1997 flashback scene. Nick Fury walks up to the same house and unlocks the door with his keys. He enters, looks around the house and sighs. When he walks into the kitchen, the Skrull woman is now in human form. Priscilla asks for the credits. Priscilla says, aren't you forgetting something? Nick Fury steps back into the living room and picks up something from the table. He shows Priscilla the wedding ring and wears it. Nick checks. Better? Priscilla responds. Almost. Both of them come close and kiss. The song Try a Little Tenderness by Otis Reddick plays and takes over. Fade to black. So many questions. Nick Fury married a Skrull? Do they have Skrull-human hybrid children? Does he know that Vara is disguised as Priscilla? Because if you knowingly married a Skrull, how have you been unable to find a home for your wife's species all this time? My guess is he doesn't know. I'm only giving him the benefit of the doubt. Not that he deserves it. If he knows he's not coming across very good at this moment, we shall see in the upcoming episodes. You can listen to the awesome pod mix and subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music and Google Podcasts. If you like what I am doing, you can support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash awesome pod mix. Thanks for listening.